Listeners to the days past Tooncast, mm-hmm. where we have adult conversations about, about yesterday's inter- <laughs> I I threw it to you and you let me down. You did. We have adult conversations, of course, about yesterday's, yesterday's animations. animations. That means old cartoons, guys. Yeah. And today we're talking about a cartoon from our youths. We actually saw this one when we were kids. We saw it a lot. It's a really good cartoon. It's the best one to date. That, I mean, the, as far as far as cartoons that we watch, absolutely, a hundred percent. And uh, this song is a, a, a celebration of a, an entire people. <laughs> Because we yeah. appreciate our yeah. mutant brothers and sisters out there. Yep. Today, of course, we are talking about none other than X Men. I love X Men, and I cannot lie. You mutant haters can't deny when a guy walks in with an X on his waist and a visor on his face, you get stoked when they break through the wall, fighting robots at the local mall. Deep in their genes mutated by the world they're feared and hated. Gene Grey, I want to get with ya Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher Stanley tried to warn me But those Wolverine claws Ripping tore me Ooh, jubilation You're part of that generation X-Gene, X-Gene Storm's about to flood the scene She's gonna make you wet Catch more wind than a blackbird jet I'm tired of government schemes Sending sentinel machines So X-Fans, X-Fans You got a mutant crush? Tell them X-Man, X-Man I support your civil rights And uh, digital room, uh, uh Juggernaut's in trouble Rope's kiss got him seeing double Now I'm running from Magneto And Xavier's on Cerebro calling up heroes My adamantium claws come with a big set of balls So humans say you're whack? Well I ain't down with that Say mutant and proud Even Sabretooth's gotta shout X-Men attack! And there it is, folks. <laughs> the first single from Days Past Tooncast Records. Oh, man. X-Men Attack. A celebration oh. of the X-Men as we came to know them as very young boys. Yes. You know, it's a, such a classic theme song. It this is. This X-Men theme. Is. They apparently sent back the music about 20 times. Just saying, we we need something different. We need something better. And so they finally ended up with this beautiful. It really is great. It's so good. And every time I hear it for a while now, I've heard how the bass line. It's in the same key, and it, the bass line's even similar it to. Is. It starts off the same kind of. Baby got back, right. and I I would hear it, and I would forget about it. And hear it, forget about it. And I finally, when we were coming up with this, saying we need to do X Men like for this show. Yeah, like a mad scientist. You're like, I got to do <laughs> oh, this. Oh, I was like, oh shit, I remembered that again, and I looked online. I haven't found anybody else doing this, so we. Got to strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna be putting it up on YouTube. I'll we'll share you guys uh, the version of it that we'll put up there. It's gonna have a little bit more to it probably, mm-hmm. but uh, definitely check that out when it comes out. But yeah, it was just I knew that they were very similar speeds, and I was wrong only by about seven beats per minute. That, that baby got back was baby it, got back was a little bit faster, right. a tiny bit faster. I have very strong memories of this show. Now I didn't watch it its whole run. I think I came of age, so to speak. Yeah. Not legal age, but uh, <laughs> I didn't turn 18 while this was on the air. Yeah, but right. I did kind of get to that point where I just didn't really watch cartoons very much anymore during that time. Yeah. Because it ran from 92 to 97. It ran 76 episodes over five seasons. And that's a good amount. It's a pretty good chunk, yeah. Especially because they were not convinced at all that this was going to be a good show. or even Really? Well, the people who were 
pushing for it were convinced of that. Now, yeah. th- thankfully, they won out. But like, uh, I mean, fo- it was for Fox Kids, and they were just kind of like, "How is this going to work? You guys want to do like a serious cartoon? I don't drama, continuing storylines. Who's going to pay? They, they just kind of shortchanged the kids, I uh, guess, yeah. and like what we're able to handle. <laughs> I will say that probably this brought about shows like uh, Mummies Live, yeah. like where it's like you can have. I don't mean that they're only because they have Batman the animated series was going on at the same time as this. And it was kind of their direct competitor, they thought of it as, even though it was on the same station. Yeah. You could almost just, like, reshoot it with live actors, and it would be fairly acceptable right, yeah. as an early X-Men film. Yeah. Um, Travis, did you you watch this on TV, I'm assuming? Definitely, man. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the most memorable cartoons, mm-hmm. you know, that that I, I watched as, you know, as, you know, because it, it, it was it was right before the teenage years that, you know, that, that you and me kind of got this cartoon in, you know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, 92, I'm eight years old. Uh, I guess when it comes out, we weren't. I mean, I didn't watch it right from the jump, though. I did. I, you did. I, I didn't. Okay, so originally, here's the thing: the production on this uh, show. I'm gonna have more to say about it, maybe than usual, <laughs> or not. If I end up not saying the stuff I know, <laughs> but yeah. uh, I, I've read more than usual about this because there was a book uh, that was released called previously on X Men. The Making of an Animated Series. And it's written by Eric LeWald, who was basically, they didn't call him the showrunner, but that's what he was on the show. Okay. Like, he would write stuff, but he was largely in charge of the direction, the creative direction of it. It's really interesting. I definitely suggest reading it, even if you're just interested in television production or cartoon production. I mean, yeah, it's all about the X-Men show, but it really gives you a look behind. But yeah, they didn't think, I mean, if you think about it, looking at the cartoons that came before this. Right. I mean, they're they're pretty cartoony. I mean, like, I love He-Man. I love Captain Planet. I mean, that's a little bit more... I mean, obviously, it's an aware show. But, like, as far as storytelling goes, this is really setting a standard that has had not been set before. Right, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, it's, it's dramatic. Uh, the animation is, I think, very good. They spent money on it, but <laughs> this is a Saban yeah. one, okay? There's a lot of Saban going around out there. Power Rangers would be the name name one that I would know the best. Yeah. Haim Saban is the owner, or was the owner, I guess, or whatever, the CEO or something of Saban, and he's notorious for doing everything as cheaply as possible. Oh, really? Hello, Filmation. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, and so... And I, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just loose. It's Lou. It's Lou with a mustache. (laughs) Lou Scheimer of filmation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's the thing is, I imagine every producer is like that to an extent. But, like, Haim Saban, like, numerous times in this book, and, of course, this is one man's version of it, but he was talking about how numerous times when there were problems with the show animation-wise that part of the problem is that Haim Saban would be trying to shop the uh, show around to other companies that would do the uh, the show for cheaper yeah. when they already had a studio and it was fine. They didn't need to change anything, but he was always looking for a way to make, because he got paid the same no matter how well or how bad the show did, apparently. Yeah. And so, like, he did successfully take, like, $500 off of the fees for scripts, like, in the second season. So after it's popular and they prove how good they are, he takes money away from them. Oh, my It's ridiculous. Yeah, and I, again, I understand there's a bottom line, but good Lord, it's so easy to turn him into the bad guy when he does that. Yeah, I mean, the way you painted it is now, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, let's let's talk about what the X-Men are for those few that maybe don't know. The one person. It's very few. I mean, here's the thing. The (laughs) The X-Men are a Marvel comic book property that have been turned now into, I think, six films, and there's a seventh on the way. It's been in production since 1963 on the comic end. It's uh, got under its belt the best-selling single comic book issue ever, which was X-Men number one, not the original way back when, but in 1991 they released, uh, they started a second X-Men series, and it was so heavily sought after, they printed a bunch of them, and it sold many, many, many copies. Wow. Still holds the record, I believe. Yeah. So that's only a year before this came out, and this, the way that you're experiencing these characters is very much based on the way they were being portrayed at the time in the comics, both in looks and I would say in personality too, because I was reading the comics at the time. I'm a comic fan of many years. And I hope you are Uh a buff on the comic books, because later on we will be testing your knowledge a little bit, good sir. I'm doing an Arnold uh, flex right now on how buff I am when it comes to X-Men. Actually, there are things I know better than X-Men, but I've I've actually read a lot of X-Men stuff recently, way before we ever got to this. Yeah. (laughs) Because that's what apparently all I fill my time with is cartoons and then comic book trivia. (laughs) That's my whole life now. (laughs) Um, But the X-Men are, the basic idea is that they're mutants. They're the next step in human evolution. They are beings born with powers because of a genetic mutation and 
the world hates and fears them for this reason. Yeah. That's the whole setup. But you were talking about watching it like as we were kind of just becoming teenagers. Yeah. I think I learned how to be a brooding teenager from watching this show. Yeah. Because even the adults act kind of like brooding teenagers. They fight like they, their kids. They do, and yeah. Like it's, the, it's the just angst, the angst so from, angsty from Wolverine. Alone. Alone. <laughs> I mean, everybody is about as angsty at any given moment yeah. can turn complete angst ridden, just ridiculousness. I mean, Jubilee in this is fairly angsty. She's got so many times where she's just like, why is this happening? happening to me right. and I, but it, I can imagine that as a teenager or a, a budding youth that that you would relate to that so much I mean the show let we have to be honest like the show is about on one level about racism and yet all of the main characters except for one are either or except for two are either Caucasian or just look human and yeah. don't look disfigured in any way except for Beast and Storm <laughs> And I mean, I guess Jubilee's uh, Chinese American, but like to say that they really represent like a minority section of the population, it's hard to buy sometimes that in, they're also good looking. Like, <laughs> it's hard to believe they would ever have any problems with who they are just based on if you met them, you yeah. would not know this about them. You know, Ju Jubilee's supposed to be. Um, yeah, they, they even. Okay, so uh, the Sentinel, one of the robot policemen, as the president calls them on this, uh, like when he's scanning her. He, you, he comes up in his Terminator view, Chinese-American, and that's what she was in the comics. Oh, yeah. They okay. don't really play it up, but, I mean, also yeah. I'm glad they, they didn't paint her yellow. I mean, in a, in a cartoon about, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, racism, that wouldn't have been a very good thing. <laughs> but, yeah, this this is, like, the first of the, like, they'd had Marvel cartoons before this, but they were all very cartoony. They'd even had a single X-Men pilot that I have on VHS still, and we definitely will have to watch at some point, because it, it's actually very funny. This is going to be, Travis and I have been talking about this as we're getting ready to record. This is going to be a little bit of a challenge to make fun of, because it's good. Yeah, it's just a good show. It's very, it's well acted for yeah. the most part. The The writing is pretty good. I mean, I can, we're going to pick on some stuff. Don't don't you worry, guys. It's not going to be a 10-minute <laughs> podcast. But uh, I saw some of you fidgeting. But it's like, it, it's just hard. I mean, I'm not going to make fun of something that I just actually think is well done, especially right. for the time. I mean, it's like, it was setting a standard. So we're talking about the first two episodes of this entire series. It's kind of like a, a joint uh, pilot called Night of the Sentinels. It uh, came out on October, I think it was Halloween, October 31st and November 7th. When okay. the, they came out as a sneak peek. You want, you want to know why it was? Why is that? Because when they got the animation back from South Korea, which they were supposed to like uh, come out in September like most shows would, right. they got the, episode, the first episode back and there were like a hundred errors in it. And so they said, well, we need to fix, this is going to set us back. Animation, the turnaround time is not just, okay, I, I rewrote the draft, now it's done. Like, you have to wait for the things to get animated. <laughs> not only did they need time to do it, but Acom, the company that had done the animation, just said they just refused to fix some of the stuff. <laughs> Until Marvel finally threatened them with, we will we will sever your contract if you don't fix this because it was that bad. Yeah, they couldn't show it as it was, and even the what, final. What was some of the? I don't. I, I don't. I wished they would have gone into it. You, do you know? You know, like if it was like poorly. They drawn said that stuff, it was. They said just... that it looked poor. They said that it looked poor. The second one had scenes missing and stuff like that. They had just hadn't finished. The idea is that probably they subbed it out yeah. to like a. I'm sorry, a Chinese company or something like that. It's like me just being like, yeah, I don't. I'll do audio for you, and I just find some schlub on the street do it cheap, have right. him do it yeah. yeah but here's the thing we think of it like why would you do that on such a sure bet as x-men but to them this is just another cartoon yeah like and again like the same producer there was a producer pushing for this stuff uh margaret lesh i believe is her name only a few people were really sure that this is a great idea but yeah they really had a hard time they would put the whole thing behind and they were gonna have to push it to january so they said okay we'll release these first two episodes as a dual pilot or as two-part pilot and then we'll show them as a sneak peek and during sweeps and everything, and then we'll start the real series in January. Yeah. Well, like, they fixed the problems that remained in those first two episodes in the meantime yeah. between October and January. But that's just like they were – they really had to snake around the <laughs> – the challenges that were being thrown at them by people just trying to save money left and right. It, it seemed it, like it's funny to see how like um, this wasn't like a sure bet in their eyes. And it, now I know. it, I mean, we'll never see the end 
of these of these Marvel comic movies that's or, right. or anything. We won't see it. We won't see the end. I bet there's never been more than a year that has passed where there isn't an X-Men cartoon on the air since 1992. I could be wrong. I'm not going to research it right now, yeah. but I'm pretty sure that's true. I know there's been like three or four of them, and, including and, this and one. And there, there will steady be a, a live-action movie always in, there, in, in production. I mean, the, everybody knows these characters. My mom thinks Mag, young Magneto is hot. My, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they, they, like, they, they've gone so deep in the prequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they're done with that, it's it'll be time to remake the the, the old origin. stuff. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's just all over the place. People and th- and this cartoon, I would say, is a large. I mean, there was the it was a very popular comic book, and it remains popular. But I would say that the animated series brought a lot of like a lot of kids that I didn't have a lot in common with. I could talk X Men with because they watched the cartoons. Yeah. When I was a kid, like I couldn't talk uh, Fantastic Four with them or anything. But this we could relate on because everyone wanted to see it because it was like soap opera. And the comics played out like soap opera too. And they intentionally were trying to make this a serious, relatively serious, like, you know, what's going to happen next? The first 13 episodes, there's like a whole season long arc. I mean, like you would do on a drama on on even cable television. Right. So again, it's like, we're going to squeeze what we can out of it. We call it squeezing out all the juice here on on DPTC. (laughs) We're going to squeeze some juice out, some mutant juice out today. Yep. Gross. And uh, so Night of the Sentinels. Here's the basic structure. The X-Men are mutants. They they are a team that are students of Charles Xavier who has brought them together to learn more about their powers and also to protect humans from rogue mutants and to protect mutants from humans as well, from, from injustice. The X-Men are not known to the world, and mutants in this world are like a, a, a new thing, seemingly, yeah. or at least they're, they're just now becoming public. And um, we see that there's like Sabretooth, who we will not see in any other part of this cartoon, yeah. is going on a rampage in the first scene. He's a mutant. He's crazy. He's throwing yeah, he, yeah, cars. Yeah, he doesn't appear. I mean, this is a well-known villain. This is like Wolverine's arch rival. And they would throw in a lot of cameos of mutants as well, which as a kid who knew comics really well, I would like it, but it would also piss me off because I'd be like, well, when are you going to really give them a part? Like, if you're going to show Domino, why not? Like, so many, so many, like, <gasps> kid, yeah, kid nerd <laughs> brain cells that were being fried on my end. Like, why don't you just do this? Because like, I wanted them all these characters to be available to me right away. But yeah. So I think it was just to populate the world a little bit because you couldn't have it be an X-Man. And if it was some, I don't know, if it was Magneto, that's like a huge character that you have to tell a story with. They couldn't just pan the camera back and do a G.I. Joe thing where they show, <laughs> where they they show, show 900 mutants yeah, rocking all out. all of them, yeah. <laughs> but, like, we get an idea early on that mutants are not getting a good rap because yeah. they're reporting on this thing. And two foster parents are watching it and talking about how their child is a mutant. And the father has... Oh, Martha. The father has registered his daughter, who's named Jubilation Lee. Jubilee. Uh, for those at home... He's registered her with the mutant registration, whatever, government thing. The government is trying to crack down, just even register these mutants so they know who's out, who and what's out there. It's like being registered with your gun, I guess, or registered with your hands as lethal weapons if you're a kung fu man. (laughs) That happens. I went to high school with a guy that was like that. That happens. Yeah, you guys are losing out on my kung fu uh, hand symbols here. I love it. You you pretty much did jazz hands on me right there. Yeah, it was like just firm jazz hands. Yeah. You now have these robots that are built by a part of the government that are policing the mutants, apparently. Now, I don't know even now if that's meant to be a part of the actual government or if that's this rogue element that's in the government, but there is someone named Henry Peter Gyrick that is a government agent that's kind of working on his own and using government resources to build sentinels and sick them on mutants and round up mutants in a very, you know, like he's like turning the hose on them, essentially. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's, that is, that's what it is. And so... The Sentinels are tending to hunt down mutants and just, like, take them in. I don't know why they particularly go after Jubilee out of all the mutants in the world they could go after, but that's who they end up going after. And then the plot is the X-Men, are. <laughs> they decide, they realize that the Sentinels have this information because of the mutant registry that's going yeah. on in the government. And so they decide that the only way to fix this, and they're pretty much all in agreement, is to break into a government facility and destroy these files. Like, this is, like... 
you know what? My credit is bad. I'm tired of getting fucked over by the taxes. I'm just going to go erase everything. Yeah. This is a children's television show where they're actively like breaking into a government facility and shredding some documents and like beating up soldiers to get to do it. Yeah. Like I, I, I know what's happening is illegal ultimately, but they're going against people who are just doing their jobs as soldier, their duty, in fact. <laughs> that's but that's that's one thing about the X-Men is they are kind of rebellious it's too easy to make them the establishment where they just are like policing other mutants for the sake of humankind when that's not their their goal. Right. Their goal is to help both sides come to an agreement. So I like that they're doing this. Like they in the comics, they didn't really start to do things like this until the 80s probably. Oh, but yeah? yeah, well, they, I mean, when they started in the 60s, they were just a super team. Yeah. They didn't really uh, carry much of the weight that they would later with, you know, uh, mutant terrorism and that sort of thing. But like that's, so that's a serious heavy thing that they go do. Um, they come into contact with young jubilation. Ooh, jubilation. <laughs> they come in contact with Jubilee and they bring her back to the mansion where they live and they try, I guess they're going to try to recruit her. She escapes, but then the Sentinels get her. And, and, now, and uh, I don't know if we said this, but the Sentinels are huge. They're about, they're about uh, transformer size. <laughs> they're like 50, 50 feet tall, yeah. approximately. These robots look like men with pink faces that are wearing like magenta bodysuits and purple leotards. Right. This is just leftover from the 60s. This this design it was used through the '90s at very least, if not long after. I don't know why we felt the need to design robots that way. And I mean, it, it kind of ha- they kind of have a uh, a magneto, like, uh, yeah, a color uh, scheme. Helmet yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it looks know? like that, right? Yeah, and I don't. So I don't know who designed them that way. Apparently, it was this guy Bolivar Trask who designed them. But like, why? What are those? His favorite colors? His wife's favorite colors, probably. <laughs> um, so the Sentinels, yeah, and they're and they're strong and and you know like they can scan and find things and their their powers kind of go up and down in their ability because sometimes it seems really easy to take them out and sometimes it just seems like they're you how could you ever overcome this fifty foot robot let alone three of them yeah you know um, <laughs> but they ultimately the X Men they do destroy the data an X Man dies and another X Man is arrested that's serious business that, that someone actually dies and that was an intentional thing they said we have to have an X X-Man die, and they ultimately had to choose, like, one of the least known X-Men and not even use his actual code name yeah. for various reasons to kill, because it's like, well, we want to keep all the good ones, but we'll, we have to kill somebody, right? right? I, I put on my notes, uh, um, I, I foreshadowed for the first time on my on my note-taking oh, here. Oh, nice. Yeah, because Morph, I was like, I was like, man, I've never... I've never heard of Morph. I wonder if Morph was a real character yeah. or, if he's, or if he's a throwaway character. And then later on... Pretty much throwaway. Rest in peace to the to the Morph. Yes. Now, I mean, and I've got some information about him okay. that uh, I'd like to share later. Yeah, uh, definitely. Ultimately, the X-Men do destroy the information. They escape. They lose one of their members to death. Mm. <laughs> and then they also lose one of their members, Beast, uh, just to being captured. And he's not recovered by the end of all this either. Like, he's still in their clutches, the government's clutches. The government is aware of what's going on. And so now the X-Men are outed publicly. And there's, a like, this uh, public reaction of, okay, so mutants are bad. And this is a team of mutants that are trained to go break into... I mean, they didn't do themselves any favors by getting caught doing this. They shouldn't have worn all the X's on their uniforms, I think, is part of the issue. You. Yeah. Then they could blame it on the Y men or whoever. Like, wear something else, not bright yellow and blue. Everybody's wearing yellow and blue. Their, their colors were flying through the whole big time <laughs> deal. Yeah, and they just want they just hang out in their their costumes all the time too. I don't. I mean, are, are, I don't understand. They're are they like firemen? Like they're on call or something? <laughs> <laughs> it just seems weird. Like only Wolverine dressed in civil civil clo- civil civilian clothes, right? At any time, and he's the least civil of all of them. That's I would true. say so. It seems unfitting, <laughs> and he every time he shows up in the cartoon in civilian clothes, he is wearing that outfit. By the way, yeah. if you're a cartoon, you have a costume, <laughs> and then you have one uniform to wear on your off times, and that's it. Yeah. So after they've lost their members, they kind of are just like, well, we need to stop the Sentinel threat, and they manage to do so by injuring a Sentinel and then tracking it back to the place where it's being, where they're being created, yeah. which is where Jubilation mm. is being held. They all meet up there. Everything's good. They beat the bad guy, Henry uh, Henry Peter Gyrick, who I'm sure will be back. And then Jubilee joins the X-Men at the very end. Yeah. So everything's good. That's the story in a nutshell over these two episodes. But now we have to dig in. Yes. Now we got to squeeze the juice. Let, man, I'm ready. Out bro. of the mutant I got fruit. my gloves on. I'm ready to go. You got buddy. your squeezing I got my gloves. squeezing, my squeezing <laughs> gloves. You shouldn't be a doctor and wear those. <laughs> 
Okay, here's something that's very important for us yes. to cover. The op- <laughs> The opening is almost the most famous opening to a cartoon show, easily recognizable. The cart you know, the music we used it in the song earlier. <laughs> yep. Um <laughs> It is so good. It is. This opening. It, it told is, you man. something about every character. Like it was intentionally pieced together to demonstrate their powers. Because to me, there are things that happen in this cartoon where they explain things. I'm like, yeah, I know about mutation. Come on. There were kids who had never read an X-Men comic. So they had to explain that stuff. Yeah. And so what they did in this opening is they will show you each character's power, their name, what they look like, and also demonstrate, like, have images that demonstrate how they're at odds with humanity and being hunted down. They did really good at they that, They did excellent yeah. at all that stuff. Now, excellent. That's see what you did there, you freaking turd. Why? Yeah, what egg? Oh, God. Uh <laughs> Now, here's a few things that I did uh, find humorous about it, though. For starters, Cyclops isn't even in his costume in the opening. Yeah. He is eyes to the sky. His glasses are falling off. He's shooting laser beams. He's out of control, like, making fists and falling to his knees. This is not a good picture of the man. Like, this shows that he is just an out-of-control emotional wreck. Yeah. Like, you should maybe just have him fire a beam or something But like I do that. remember that scene, it's very, though, man. That it's one awesome. Is, it looks yeah. great. It just is not a great representation of him as a person, you know? It just looks like he's dying. Yeah. It's like, I can't do this! <laughs> like, constantly struggling with keeping those last spine yeah. things. And then I noticed, this is just a detail I noticed at the end that I can't believe I didn't notice before. At the very end, you have two teams on either, a team on either side running to clash. You've got evil mutants on one side, X-Men on the other side. And right in the middle, didn't notice this before, it's just a bunch of humans running at the camera like, holy shit, the world's <laughs> ending! Oh my god, the gods are clashing! <laughs> like, it's like, that's exactly what it should be. Yeah. But uh, I just totally missed that as a kid, because I was always focused on, who's on the X-Men? Who's on the bad guys team? I Everybody knows the that opening. The world. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, it's like, oh my god! <laughs> Nature of the Beast. Discover the ugly truths and dark secrets of true crime, the paranormal, the occult, and conspiracy. Join your guides for weekly episodes and face the true nature of the beast. Hey listeners, my name is Krista, and I host a narrative true crime podcast called The Dark Divide. I've always been interested in the circumstances and events which shape a seemingly ordinary life into something made out of our worst nightmares. And now I get to take you all along through the depths of obsessive research and my need to explore the unknown. So I invite you to come stare into the abyss with me. Right now we're available on iTunes and Podbean. See you there. So at the beginning of this episode, we talked about how there's a guy named Sabretooth, and he's throwing cars around. Now, here's the thing. I don't know that I saw this the day it aired, it originally aired, but I definitely started watching it right around the time that it started. And I remember they showed these same first two episodes so many fucking times. Like, I, or at least it felt like that to my little brain. Like, every time I would see Sabretooth, like, throwing cars, it was just like, God Damn it! Like, just like, why is this shit showing? Like, show me the next one! Show me something else because I'm so tired of Sentinels and all this stuff. You just threw your PB&J across the room. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. It was just so, uh, it was such a tease to me. And, you know, all these cameos and stuff. The melodrama is very thick in this series. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we should establish, like, anything that can be played up emotionally is played to the hilt right? big time. And yeah, that's especially is. true of young jubilation. Uh, <laughs> Every time. I won't be able not for to me do not that. to say it. Um, I don't remember her being such a focal point, man. I mean... She's your entry-level character. I mean, here's the thing. I don't care for her in the comics. Here, she's actually more... I mean, she's acceptable, I guess. Like, she's not as bad as she could be. She's got some pretty choice, dumb things to say. Yeah. <laughs> such as... Does a mall girl eat chili fries? And that's like, is, does a bear shit in the woods? The answer yeah. is yes. Was it? A, was it a? It was a mall girl. Is that what she said? Mall girl. <laughs> mall girl. Not even a mall rat. Like I think it was just mall girl eat chili fries. Like I guess they do. Yeah. I mean, sure. 
<laughs> and um, you know the the his like was she around in the beginning of the X Men? Oh no 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 no. She was a 1990s invention or okay. possibly a very late 80s invention. But no no no. She was she was a creature of the time. Here's the thing. They've gone through a few characters that fit this role. That is young female character does not like thrown into a world she never made and is <laughs> like <laughs> and is usually they end up palling around with Wolverine, like he's their father figure, and they have to, like, they're our entry level into this real weird world of the mutants. It started with Kitty Pride, and eventually, 10 years later, it's like, well, I can't really make this character the teenager anymore, so now... This teenager is now 34. And well, and Let's that's kick the, you to the side. And that's the thing, like, in comics, everybody never, they never age beyond a certain point. You yeah. know, they stay the same. But you can't, you can no longer call them a teenager, so you have to introduce someone like Jubilee. You don't have to, but they do. And now, by Ooh, now, Jub- Jubilation! <laughs> but now, Jubilation is not particularly, they still cast her as fairly young in the comics, but there are characters that are younger than her. Right. That have already, again, filled this role. It's, it's cyclical. It happens over and over and over again. Mall, mall girls. Mall next girls. One. Always mall girls. No matter what year it is, I've got some clips here of her saying some pretty melodramatic things. I got is clips for it- days. <laughs> Is that something we do here on this podcast? That's something that we do occasionally. Okay. I, what it is is that she's her parents are talking about her, and then it's like you can just like substitute uh, gay for mutant, basically. Like where she, it's like I can't. Every time she opens her mouth, it's like <laughs> I'm. I. It's not my fault. I'm a mutant. Why won't people just leave me alone? It's over and over and over again. She says the same shit, and I, I gotta didn't say, choose to be a mutant. Exactly, and I get it. I. I am totally. I'm pro mutant. Like 100. Yeah. percent I have been since I read their comics, but I do have to say, like I felt. <laughs> Like, I was something of a racist sometimes during this show. Because I was like, who cares about you? Shut up about your struggle, lady. Like, just let me watch the fucking thing without hearing your voice every 10 seconds. <laughs> like, so I, I got to admit, I wasn't always the most um, sympathetic yeah. viewer, whatever. Yeah, to her in her plight. <laughs> yeah, you're dismissing her feelings right now. I know, and I'm trying real hard not to, but she's making it difficult for me. Yeah. Let's just hope the neighbors never find out our beautiful Jubilee's a mutant. They'd never understand it. Why is this happening to me? I used to be a normal kid. It's not my fault. They were ashamed of me. They thought they loved me. What's so wrong with being a mutant anyway? What did I ever do to anybody? I didn't ask to be a mutant. I'm just a kid. Hey, you dweebs, watch it. You just don't hear dweeb anymore. No, dweeb's a good one, man. <laughs> it is. He's such a dweeb. Yeah. It's, it seems like a very particular person in my mind when I imagine a dweeb. You know, yeah. like, yeah. I, dweeb is definitely a mall girl thing to say. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she kind of cut, I, that, that's all the emotional terrain that she covers is mostly like either she's sarcastic and kind of smarmy, but mostly she's just complaining about how the world doesn't understand her or accept her. That's why uh, me. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, that she's not a good entry level character for me at age 34, but maybe <laughs> at age eight, I would have been more likely to accept her. I never liked her very much though. Me, me either. And, her, and honestly, when she uses her powers, there's like a very specific fireworks sound effect that, it it triggered something in me that was very old that was, oh, God, this shit again. Every time she used her powers, it meant that she was in the picture and doing stuff, and I never wanted her around. So when I hear the fireworks, it's like, oh, here we go again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm not a big fan of the jubilation. And, and I'm, me personally, I'm still kind of confused on what her power is because there's some parts in this cartoon where I feel she could have used her power to like mm-hmm. get rid of or you know to, to stop the sentinel yeah. and she didn't but then later on it does work so I really am her powers confused of, on the limits I mean they <laughs> the seem limitations of her powers her powers just act up out of nowhere she's like a this is really more for the teenage boys out there and she's like a teenage boy who's just getting boners all the time and can't control oh, when okay. they happen like because mutant powers are typically come shout around out. at puberty <laughs> yeah shout out to those teenage boys <laughs> To horny teenage boys, but like te- mutant powers are often like a part of puberty. They come yeah. around around that time, and you aren't very good at controlling them usually. So it kind of makes sense. It's like, what do I do with my body? <laughs> Jubilee early on is being hunted by a sentinel that comes to her neighborhood, and luckily she's already left. Yeah, to go play arcade games at the mall. Like she does, she she approaches playing arcade games as a way to, like, play her blues away. Like, she's like, oh, I'm going to play this game so hard, I can't forget about everything. Now, the arcade manager, I thought that was, uh, uh, this just is me thinking here, yeah. speculating, yes. that was Stan Lee making a making a small small appearance in I the I don't cartoon. remember what he looks like. It looked just like Stan Lee. 
I should tell you that it wouldn't surprise me if Stan Lee ended up in this somehow. He was trying so hard to insert himself into this show. Why wouldn't he? Yeah, for sure. Why would you listen to the man? Look, he created them in 1963. Yeah. He was the narrator on X-Men Pride of the X-Men, the pilot that preceded this. He was the narrator that opened it up, and he wrote the lyrics for the theme song and everything, and it, it didn't work. It wasn't good. Like, he may have some story notes that you could take that could be useful, but, like, I wouldn't trust that guy to write anything these days. Oh, I mean, or 92, for that yeah. matter. Like, he very much was a man of his time. It didn't carry over, huh? Well, no, and but he kept giving notes, and he was technically still an executive producer, just as he is on all of these movies. Like, technically, yes, that's your title. It's just, like, honorary. But he was giving notes on everything, and they were not good notes, and he was getting all pissed off that they weren't taking his notes. Well, it's his brainchild. Right? I mean... It's owned by the Marvel Corporation. He created... Okay, here's the thing. Yeah. Of the characters featured in... me, I, I don't... For starters, like, all of that's work for hire. So okay. Stan Lee doesn't own anything that's related to any of this. Now, he has... I'm sure he gets paid thing royalties and things like that, but, like, he doesn't make money... It's not his character to do with as he sees fit. Also, he co-created the characters with Stan... Uh, with Jack Kirby, an artist. They collaborated. And... Most of the characters featured in this were not created by Stan Lee in the first place. Uh, Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Beast and Professor Xavier are Stan Lee creations. All the other characters are not. They were created in 75 or later. He doesn't understand those characters. He didn't even like those characters that much. Like, it just seems like an old man who says, like, y'all should be making my show. And then wow. when they're just like, you don't know what you're talking about, man. Just let us do our thing. I so, would not have been able to pinpoint that. I really thought you'd be, like, a Stan Lee fan, I think man. Stan Lee did amazing things back in the day. Right. But I don't. I wouldn't involve him in anything modern unless I wanted it to sound stilted in 1960s yeah. sounding you know i mean his dialogue <laughs> was maybe hip in 1965 yeah exactly <laughs> pretty much he is a carnival barker this yeah. guy at the end of the day <laughs> so the sentinel is hunting down jubilee early on and it's a gigantic robot the screen shakes when it walks right yeah. like it lands in a neighborhood at night in a suburban neighborhood Nobody comes out to see, like, what's that sound? Not the dog that sees him just barks. He almost kills the dog. But then, like, that's the only thing in the entire neighborhood that reacts, including Jubilee's parents who are just having a, a quiet conversation with each other. Right. Like, as this thing walks toward their house, weighing two or three tons at King least. King Kong in it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it only once, it's standing next to the house, only at the point that it breaks through the wall yeah. do they even begin to notice that it's there. <laughs> and the funny thing to me is that the Sentinel is looking for Jubilee. It's got, like, the Terminator vision going where it can, yeah, like, scan, scan stuff. And, right. Okay, so it scans the room, her bedroom, reaches into her bedroom, picks up her bed, but she's not there. And this is like, scan error. <laughs> How did you make this this mistake? Yeah. You're scanning things for living <laughs> beings, and you accidentally pick up a bed. Like, these are the worst. Maybe it's an early version of the Sentinel. Man, but it just seemed like a few kinks. Yeah, a couple. <laughs> that was a bit of a cheat, in my opinion, yeah. given how they actually work. Although later, when it flies to the mall to find Jubilee, it's just walking around looking like you or I would. Like it tracked her closely enough to the mall, but then it's just using its vision to find her. So if she's not around, like she hid. It wouldn't be able to find her. Apparently, yeah, these are not very well designed machines. <laughs> it seemed kind of bad. Um, Jubilee's outfit. I think we need to talk about We do. We need to have an intervention on her about this outfit. Yeah. Like, even at the time, the it was not okay. The dishwashing gloves. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Such perfect. <laughs> okay. At any time, I don't think in any situation, canary yellow gloves are an appropriate accessory to your outfit unless you're doing Jubilee cosplay. <laughs> That's the only time it's acceptable. Right. And she's not... I, this is not okay. She needs to be talked to. She's wearing a pink shirt... A yellow, like, trench coat, almost, but the sleeves are short or pushed up. I don't know. She's wearing these yellow gloves, blue, like, galoshes, it looks yeah. like, and then jean shorts that are belted at about right mom, below— Mom shorts. Yeah, like, uh, like 10 inches above her navel. And then pink, pink, uh, I don't even know what kind of glasses. They look like 3D glasses almost. Ooh, like jubilation. Someone needs, she's part of that generation. <laughs> Gotta get on her about this. I mean, man, like, I don't, I feel like sometimes when you create a hip character, quote unquote, for a certain time period, yeah. sometimes you just make shit up that wasn't even a part of it that you think, again, it's like a dad or somebody thought was hip. So, like, whoever, I, I think now, Mark Silvestri. Do you think, yeah. think Stan Lee got to pick out Jubilation's <laughs> no, outfit? Oh, no. <laughs> that's, uh, why, that's why it looks so bad? No, I, I, I think only a man, a, a man who was somewhat of the era, could come up with that. Okay. Now it is accurate to what she looked like in the comics, so that's not really their fault. 
But like, that's just not okay. Yeah. 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 But Jubilee, as she, she ends up running away from the Sentinel and the mall and she happens to run into, out of all people, Storm and Rogue of the X-Men. And a couple of pantsuits. Yeah. Man, those ladies are are looking fine. Yes. I got to say, this is a pretty much, if I mean, I had cartoon crushes before this, and I had comic book crushes, but this brought my comic book crushes to life dude, and made them cartoon crushes. Dude, Rogue's, Rogue's voice for me I know. is really good. I know. It is. One of the best for me. Man. It's I very excellent. It. Yeah. Now, hey, hey, it rocked my world, and it raised me. Anything else? <laughs> It ruled you? Did it rule you? It ruled my okay, life. Okay, okay. It ruled your life. Ran your life, too. There's no rules. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, no, okay, check them all off. Pat Jesse. <laughs> yeah, now you'll have nothing to say. <laughs> um, yeah, Rogue, I think it's a great... Uh, all the voice acting is good on this. Yeah, now, it really is. Some of the some of the options that they choose for them are, are kind of funny. Like, Rogue gets some pretty funny lines of, like, to sound, to sound Southern. Um, I don't really know why Storm sounds British, Kind of British. Like, it doesn't really fit. She was, in the comics, raised in America. Well, she was born in America and grew up in Cairo. I can kind of see where possibly it would have come from. Anyway, it's she just sounds, like, so overblown and egotistical. I, it, I, mean, I find it very hard to relate to her in any way. Storm, mistress of the elements, commands you to release that child. Lighten up on the speech of sugar. Storm and Rogue, you just heard. So Storm... Like they see that Jubilation's running away. <laughs> Gonna Ooh. call her that every time. <laughs> now I can't stop. Jubilee is running away from the Sentinel and, and gets captured. And so Storm, apparently one of Storm's powers, at least in this episode, is to have her pantsuit magically become her costume. That's not a mutant power that she has, <laughs> by the way. Like, that's just something that they decided had to happen, yeah. I guess. But Storm is so overblown. Like, you just heard her announce herself. She's not the only character to speak in third person about herself in this show, and not even the one that does it the most. I think everyone. Well, a Gambit definitely does a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious to me. But Storm is like this is something that is kind of left over from the comics. The uh, exposition gets pretty out of hand a lot of the time, like especially on this first episode where they're trying to explain who is who and what they do. But this is not how people talk. Even like storm goddess, mutant storm goddesses, really, I don't think go my name and title. Declare that you should be the one to unhand that youth. Like, this is like <laughs> wannabe Shakespeare level bullshit yeah. that they're that she's saying. And it's also just so you know what she does. Like, I don't know. I, I'm not a good judge of what kids could glean from this show because I already read the comics. So I knew what she was up to. I knew what she was about. But I feel like if you see her fly and make wind and make thunder and lightning and make rain, like you would get most of the idea. Like you wouldn't just assume, I think she controls lightning. <laughs> no, she's a weather goddess. Like say something like, like, or I don't know, just don't say your name yeah. or your, your, your code name even. Like that's just a name you go by. On her briefcase, it says Storm. Yeah, she's, she forces everyone to call her Storm. We, it's like, we get it. She's been call, making people do that since she was like five years old. Yeah. She's a very headstrong <laughs> young lady. I will say that I think the voice actress, that's good what she does. Yeah. It's not unfitting because she is pretty sanctimonious in the comics a lot of the time. Like she, I'm sure everyone rolls their eyes when she opens her her mouth <laughs> at any meeting that the X-Men have. Um, and then Rogue, you know, is a Southern Belle. And she sounds like she'd probably be like a truck stop waitress with an oxy problem. Hey there, sugar. <laughs> yeah. Like she would be like pretty much done with life at this point if she had not joined the X-Men. Oh, I would say like she would be pretty much like two kids divorce. Damn. Uh, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to our divorcees <laughs> and truck stop waitresses. She would have a smoker's voice and cough and everything, man. I Damn. just don't think she'd be doing yeah. well in what she, where she grew up. Um, Rogue. I think, I guess I'm going to have to play it now. Rogue has two moments back to back near the end of the episode where it really was just like info dump time. She explains her powers for no reason. And then she asks a fellow mutant on the team why mutants are mutants. Yeah. For no reason except to explain it to the children. These are not things that... It info dump. Yeah. Seriously, it's just like, okay, like, this really, like, pissed me off a little bit when I heard it. I'm like, I know you guys can do better. Rogue, everybody, stay close. Not too close. You know, I remember when I was 13, had me a boyfriend, and I kissed him. Poor boy was in a coma for three days. That was when I first realized if I touched anybody, I absorbed their strength right into me. Some power, huh? Consider yourself fortunate. <laughs> I had dandruff. You're supposed to know everything, beast. What makes us like we are, anyway? Gamma rays, pollution, 
Ozone depletion. You look nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I just wish I knew what was happening in there. <laughs> okay. That music in the background. I wish I wish we could just, uh, just single that out. Yeah. I w- there was some pretty good music cues on this. They <laughs> intentionally, like, they couldn't afford orchestral stuff. X-Men chose not to go that route anyway. They wanted to do... There's some orchestral movements, but like it's a lot of synthesizers and stuff. Right. Actually, sounds really cool. It a does. lot of it. It fits the mod. They sound kind of um, edgy and, and modern. You know. Yeah. All right. So we got to talk about what we just heard. There was a lot in there. Um, the very last thing was just a funny line that she says to Cyclops at the end. <laughs> More nervous than a cat in room full of rocking chairs. Is that true though? Does, the, was he nervous? No. Do cats get nervous? Some cats are just nervous regardless. Okay. Yeah, wherever they go. Okay. Maybe they see rocking chairs all over <laughs> the place. Not. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, or some aren't. Yeah, it's kind of like people. Regardless of tail size or rocking chair size, Travis. They're just people like you and me, so they just kind of <laughs> in all different kinds of shapes and sizes, you know? That's what this show is about. Yeah. It's about acceptance of diversity. Right. Get behind it I'm or don't. It. I'm, I'm right in line. Get behind it or get under I'm it. I'm under it. Oh, so you're just... On top okay. of... Yeah. You don't know Beside where you are. it. Or... <laughs> Ooh, jubilation. jubilation. Let me set the scene a little bit. They're like sneaking into this government facility. They've just landed. And Cyclops says, everyone stay close. She knows what he means. She just like, he doesn't mean, so stay skin to skin contact with me. Everyone on the team knows that her power is to absorb other people's powers and personalities and energy through skin to skin contact. We got it. We understand that. (laughs) Like, and I know that they haven't established that in the show so much at this point, but guess what? That's not the way to do it. Yeah. It's to just have her say it for no reason and it give her whole backstory. Like my daddy liked to kill me when that happened, all this stuff. It's just so on the nose and they're, they're going into a government facility. How does she have time to talk? They should be talking tactics, yeah. not here's my origin for y'all that didn't know. It's like everybody knows where you're from. Yeah. Deep South, uh, Virginia or something. I don't know. Um, or Tennessee. You tell us every day. Yeah. You, Rogue. Rogue. I know the name of your boyfriend who got into a coma. I yeah. know all of this. Yeah. Beast at the end of that. On one hand, he does have a worse, almost a worse situation than her. She's an attractive woman who can't touch anybody. A woman of any kind. Any person that can't touch someone that sucks. Beast looks like a monster. So on one hand, he's kind of like, I had it worse than you, but he just said I had dandruff. So he's making light. Yeah. He's like, you're lucky. All your problem is, is that you can never touch another human being without risking something. I had dandruff. He's not taking her seriously at all. That's a very serious problem that mm-hmm. she's complaining about. But then she asks him, and Beast is the, you know, like the team geneticist, scientist, smart guy. She asks him all of a sudden, Hey, by the way, what makes us mutants? Yeah. <laughs> in passing, yeah. while, we're, while we're fixing to do she's this. She's been on the team. I mean, I look, in the comics, she's been on the team for a long time. I don't know how long she's been on the team in the cartoon, but long enough that everybody seems comfortable with her. Like, she seems to know everybody just fine. Has she can, she, she can not, say all the dumb shit she wants has to. Has she not asked this before? <laughs> has she not been curious about this before? And if not, why now, as they're breaking into a government facility? As he's about to jump in and risk his very livelihood to do that. Right. Like, I, it just seems so ill-timed and badly. Say, and all, all he does is basically say, it could be anything. So they're not even answering the question for us. <laughs> I mean, radiation was often given the but that's Ooh, not. Radiation! radiation. you can fit exposition in and you can do it clunkily but this is beyond that to me this is very 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 on the nose but it also replicates the way that they would do it in the comic books a lot of the time like every every uh, issue they would explain somebody's situation like where they're from or their power set or something say well as you know if you have to start something with as you know then you you don't have to say what you're going to say because I know. Yeah. And that you know there's going to be exposition after that. <laughs> As we all know, uh, aliens are from the planet Zentari. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay. I guess yeah. everybody on but me knew that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Rogue, she doesn't really have much interaction with Gambit in the, either of these ish, uh, episodes. Gosh, I'm going to mix all this up. I like it. But, you know, we all know that she and Gambit have this, like, back and forth thing going. They got a romance. Mm. But it can't be because Rogue is going to hurt him if they kiss. And Gambit is a is an interesting guy. He's a ladies' man. He's a thief. He's a rogue for sure, but not he is not rogue. Uh, and he, when we first meet him on this, he's pretty much banging this girl. <laughs> two things, yes. He's doing both the like the coolest thing ever, 
having a lady hit on him yeah. and him acting like he doesn't care by the woman who's selling him a hundred packages of of playing cards that completely de-romanticizes the character for me to know that he goes to the mall with the two ladies on his team and just has to buy a bunch of cards because that's what he throws at people like he can't <laughs> that seems very pedestrian and suburban and yeah, stupid is. like and he he at one point when he's buying them he says these feel good <laughs> about the cards what do different like companies have different feels? I guess that when he buys cards from this company versus this one, like what does that mean to say these feel good? These cards, I mean, you're throwing them. Just who cares? <laughs> like if they're not your lucky pack, you're buying like twenty of them. Right, they're small bombs for you. Just yeah. just get on. Gambit like was a lot of people's favorite. I liked him. I liked him. My my personal favorite. I in the think whole thing, it was man. my main thing was that he, Rogue liked him, and so I wanted to be him. <laughs> Honestly, that's all it is. Like, I mean, he's a cool guy. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a great character, but like, that's mainly where like whichever character the ladies liked was the one I wanted to be. He's just so damn cool, man. I just, I just remember that that character. Like, he, I, like I played him on the video game. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was my favorite. Him and Nightcrawler were my favorite. He, um, well, I'm gonna play a couple clips here of him because he has some interesting. Well, he has at least one interesting tick that comes and goes throughout this thing. Uh, like many others, Gambit likes to speak. In the third person. <laughs> I must apprehend that mutant. Hey, apprehend this. Yeah. <laughs> How did you do that? With style, Petit. With style. I'm out of here. Wait, Gambit will help you. <laughs> I'm a mutant too. <laughs> Why would he do that? Like, she doesn't know his name. Like, that's weird enough. If you, if I know you and you call yourself Travis, it's yeah. like, oh, that's okay. He's doing a Travis. Okay. Yeah, Travis can do that. Well, I know who you are, so I know who you're talking about. But if I just met you, I, I didn't even meet you. I don't know your name yet. And you say, well, Travis needs to get out of here. It's like, okay, well, he can go. You and me, let's talk. Like, I, to say Gambit can help you, it just, why is that, why did they think that fit the character? Because mm. he's the one that does it the most. But I also, I love the uh, apprehend this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The weird card throw. <laughs> hey, um, so earlier you were talking about the Sentinel scan. Yes. About how it said she was Asian American. Yeah. On that. Chinese American so, specifically. Yeah. I saw the Gambit scan. I, I had stopped on that. Yeah. And it's it gave his height and weight stats. Give me a, give me an idea. Six to 180 pounds. Hmm. Well, maybe in those metal boots he walks around. <laughs> He's wearing metal boots. <laughs> Is he? That dude, that's what they look like. They always have looked <laughs> metal to me. That's ridiculous. He could stab somebody with the knee parts on those things. Yeah. Well, guys, turns out there was more juice for us to squeeze out of this one than we anticipated, so we're splitting the episode up into two parts. Come back this weekend for the second half of our look at X-Men, the animated series. Reach out to us on Twitter. Our handle is at dptooncast. You can email us at dptooncast at gmail.com, and you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash dptooncast. As always, check out Travis's true crime podcast, Nature of the Beast, wherever podcasts are found. And be sure to come back this weekend for your second helping of X-Men Tooncasting. Thanks for listening. And from Travis and myself, tutor my duder. <laughs> <laughs>